Welcome to Around the League from UGASports.com. This is the weekly show during the season where we talk about what's happening in the SEC. I'm Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and Jim Donnan, the Hall of Fame head coach. And we are brought to you by Lane's Barbecue from Bethlehem, Georgia, the sauces and rubs that you need for your food at your tailgate. I'm going to tell you more about the Kapalua later in the show because this is the one that I've really been enjoying. We're also brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping out of Monroe, Georgia. If you have any landscaping needs for your yard, your home tailgate can look as good as your one on the road. Check out Connor Grading and Landscaping on their Facebook page. We'll talk about uh, Connor Grading and Landscaping and Lane's Barbecue more later in the show. But first of all, guys, let's just get your overall reactions. What stood out most in last week's slate of SEC football? Coach, I'll start with you. For me, it was just Alabama's defense, uh, the way they uh, had a really hard time uh, making tackles in the open field, you know, for a number one ranked team to get, uh, you know, really get their pants pulled down by Florida after the first quarter, uh, you know, good plan by Florida, you know, quarterback runs have always given Alabama a lot of trouble, but uh, just the overall rushing stats uh, being in the favor of Florida and then uh, Alabama's inability to run the ball too. It was a good win for them on the road. You can't take that away from it. And, and certainly the first quarter put it in perspective. But uh, just uh, after that, I was just amazed that they couldn't tackle any better than they did. And Coach, I think outside of that, the offensive part of Alabama, big picture, they're just not as explosive. You know, there's not Judy. There's not Rubs. There's not Waddle. There's not Devontae Smith. Like those guys just, you know, two years in a row, two first-round draft picks, those guys aren't there. Mainly there's not Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris too. is the biggest missing piece. And they would be in a world of trouble, I think, without the Ohio State transfer, Jameson Williams, you know, so from an explosive standpoint. But my overall big picture from uh, that, given the, Flo- the Florida-Alabama game, is where do I think the two bests are? And I think those two bests are Ole Miss's offense and Georgia's defense. And do we get a – it just kind of has a feeling to me like a 2019 type season where you see that, you know, sort of next level offense against a dominant defense uh, in the SEC championship. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly make a good point there. Uh, Both those teams have been exciting on on the, you know, overall, but I think it's a little fool's goal uh, for Georgia's defense from the standpoint, they really haven't played anybody on offense and uh, they haven't been challenged at all. And then uh, the same thing's true with uh, this Ole Miss offense. They haven't played against a really good defense. I mean, any way you look at it, uh, schedule-wise, they're, they're, they've set up with, uh, you know, Austin P, uh, Louisville, and, and certainly uh, last week against Tulane. So uh, you, what you're saying is exactly right as far as offense and defense. But I think from my perspective as a coach, I think right now I don't want to get on the big bandwagon about either one of them being such a great defense or offense till Georgia proves they can stop the pass against a, a team that can protect the quarterback and Ole Miss can make some first downs against some teams that can line up at least when they go fast. So that's be the big thing for me. And I think that a lot of those truths will reveal themselves as the weeks go on. And that was my biggest takeaway last week was we had seen Kentucky come up to a hot start in the first couple of weeks of the season. 
But then all of a sudden, that old Kentucky popped up in, in a very sleepy performance against Chattanooga, one that the Wildcats, frankly, got whipped for almost three and a half quarters uh, before getting a pick six that helped out and, and then showing up at the end. I was disappointed by Kentucky's performance to the extent that I think they may be closer to the uh, Missouri's of the world than the Florida's of the world. And I did not think that two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point there because – uh, let's look at it realistically. Missouri's defense is terrible. They're not bad. They're terrible. And and certainly uh, Chattanooga goes up there with a, just an average one double A team and did a good job against them. So all of us have got to be real careful about jumping on the bandwagon and then breaking our ankles, falling off about a lot of these teams when you look at who they're playing. But certainly we're encouraged by Kentucky's passing game, the fact they can mix it up, and Brent's gone over that. Uh, very well, but I, I do feel like uh, that was a very, very uh, enlightening game from a standpoint. You're supposed to crush these guys, and you didn't, and it makes you wonder how good their offense might be. So uh, that's why we're around the league. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, Missouri's defense, again, though, uh, you know, they played a directional team from Missouri. I think Missouri's going to struggle this year with that defense. I really do. We're all looking for consistency in these SEC teams. And if you're looking for consistency in your yard, you need to call the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping. We've all had that issue where maybe when it rains as much as it has been, you have water running across the yard, your yard, it makes the grass look a little funky in some spots. Maybe you need some different elevation in places. What I love about them is you can kind of give your vision to, to the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping, and then they'll come back to you and say, well, here's why that may work and we can do that. Or here's a better idea that we have that can make your yard stand out even more in your neighborhood. And Brent, you had that personal experience with Mike Connor and Connor Grading and Landscaping. Uh, and we just thank them so much for their support of our show uh, and then everything they do for folks here in Northeast Georgia. Very much so. I got some projects lined up for, the sp for next spring already. Look at you. Already doing improvements doing? on that yard. Are you going to have a waterfall or what's, what's the plan? <laughs> I got some areas where I need some more sod, I think, uh, you know, some other parts, you know, need, need some redone, some things redone because I don't take care of it as well as it should. Uh, but no, we got, I got some things planned. That's a good plan. I wouldn't be thinking ahead. That's, that's part of being a good coach, being able to look into the future. And that's what you're doing. You're, and I think everybody needs to understand that uh, different types of, of, of things need to be planned for the spring in, in your yard. And, uh, you know, one of the good things about Connor, they can do whatever you need and uh, give you a plan and maybe not do it right now, wait till the spring. So, but you got to be thinking ahead. That's a good job by you. Check out their Facebook page for some of their most recent projects. I promise you it's going to uh, inspire you to want to do better in your yard and then uh, have them come out and tell them how it can happen. All right. So guys, Brent, I, you're, I'm putting you on the hot seat here for a second. You're the data guy here. So I'm going to go okay. through five or six categories in the SEC. And I want you to tell me which individual player in the conference is leading in that category. All right. I didn't give you much of a heads up. So if you're listening to this, Brent really didn't know this was coming until about two minutes ago. And uh, now he's going to test his knowledge, which SEC player leads the conference in passing yards. Uh, I'm going to go with one of, it's either one of two Rogers at Mississippi state or Corral at Ole Miss. Mississippi State's run the ball for like less than 200 yards total, so I'm going to go Rodgers. 
It is Will Rogers. That's one for one. He has 1,083 passing yards, and Matt Corral has 997. Coach, we've been talking about Will Rogers being more efficient in that offense. Yeah, I mean, he knows uh, inside and out now. He knows what to do. Uh, that's a tough loss for them. You know, it's hard to get six wins. Uh, I think they'll probably get it if they get a couple more, uh, you know, games that uh, they can – find a way to find, you know, put them away. But uh, that was just a tough way to lose. But I like Rodgers. I like their uh, receivers. Uh, you know, they're really good against the run uh, on defense, too. So that's going to challenge LSU. We'll get to that game in a little while. But I know that our man there, uh, that's why you're asking him instead of me. So keep going on these questions there. All right, rushing yards. Chris Rod. It is Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky, 377. Surprising to me is the number two is actually Tyler Beatty at Missouri. I thought it would be Tank Bixby, but Tank is a couple of yards behind Beatty. So Tank needed a bit better performance against Penn State. So the reason I know that is my sort of interesting nugget from the Kentucky win last week. That was the lowest rushing yardage total Rodriguez has ever had, ever, in a game he's gotten at least 10 carries. Mm. He only had 46 yards rushing. You got to watch out for the mocks, man. They're tough as nails, hard as bricks. It's Chattanooga class of 56. I mean, that's a good team. No, seriously, that was really surprising. Ten carries and he didn't have that. And, of course, uh, you know, the kid from Missouri went against Southeast Missouri State and they got all those yards. You know, they kind of – I think they had close to 50 points in the first half. So, it's going to be a tough game for them playing against the Beast this week, though. One interesting note that the fifth leading rusher in the SEC is Anthony Richardson, Florida's backup, probably soon to be starting quarterback. And we know that he didn't play against Alabama. So that tells you how these stats can be skewed by some pretty crazy performances in, in a game or two. Uh, they will also level out as the season goes. Brent, SEC player with the most receiving yards. I think it's an Ole Miss guy. Either Mingo or Drummond, probably Drummond. It is Dontario Drummond. You're three for three. Coach, he's on a roll. Yeah, I mean, this guy's Mr. Stat. I mean, he should be on Jeopardy on this stuff. I mean, how about that guy on Jeopardy? I mean, that guy's won like 25 straight. I mean, he's unreal. I'm, I mean, I'm excited to watch him tonight. I'm glad they're uh, talking about the contestants instead of the host for a minute. Although Aaron yes. Rodgers could still go take that job. Who knows? Yes. Yes, he um, could. Interesting note with the receivers in the SEC, you were right on board with Ole Miss. Ontario Drummond's number one with 339 yards. Jonathan Mingo is number three with 290 yards. Right behind Drummond, the second highest uh, receiver total in the SEC, Wondell Robinson at Kentucky. Get to know that name because that guy is playing really well for the Wildcats. Randall Cobb 2.0. I definitely, have not put that together. He definitely looks like him. Uh, Josh Van that torched Georgia a couple of times has uh, number four in the league for South Carolina, 282 yards. So Georgia may not ought to feel bad about that one. Uh, Sacks leader in the SEC. Alex, I, I had actually looked this one up earlier in the week. So I, I think I know it, it's, is it BJ Ojolari? It is BJ Ojolari, brother of Aziz yeah. Ojolari, LSU. Yep. Hey, that LSU team is sacking the quarterback. I mean, uh, they, they're really doing a good job rushing the passer. And, uh, the, you know, overall, though, uh, they're just having a hard time uh, getting off the field sometimes. But I think there's another team that really benefited with their schedule. I mean, come on. Uh, they're playing 
some teams that, uh, you know, give you a lot of stats. I'm not going to quiz you on any more. I'll, I'll do that for another week. But I do want to point out that total tackles in the SEC, both of the number two spots are Arkansas Razorbacks. Bumper Pool leads the league in tackles with 30. Jalen Catalan, defensive back for Barry Odom and the Razorbacks defense, 28 tackles. Coach, is tackles a stat that coaches care about in that sense? Or does it sometimes show you where you have problems in other places? No, I think they look more at missed tackles, uh, you know, from a standpoint of the opportunity to make a play. And then you don't, you know, your team, if you're a good defensive team, you're, you're going to have the tackle spread out. It's not going to be one guy making a lot of them. And uh, the thing about a team like Georgia, I mean, they just don't play uh, many plays at the front seven. I mean, a guy like, uh, you know, everybody's going, going off on – on 99 for us, uh, Jordan is such a big stud. No, he only played 24 plays last week. I mean, uh, he, he was ready to go out for dinner right after the game. Of course, he's always ready, but That's 24, 24 plays. But, of course, you got a guy like Watt that could come in there. You keep fresh guys in there. but uh, And certainly Anderson and Smith alternate. Uh, we just play a lot of players. I mean, up to 35, 40 players on defense every game. If you uh, want to have your tailgate ready for Georgia's noon kickoff against Vanderbilt, you need to use Lane's Barbecues, seasonings, and rubs. I've been telling you about this Kapalua seasoning because, you know, one thing I love about the marketing and the packaging that Lane's Barbecue does, if you don't know what to use this on, let's just say that you're standing at the spice aisle just trying to figure out how you want to accent whatever it is you're cooking, check out that right there. They've got it on there. You got pork, you got beef, chicken, shrimp. I mean, this is just smart right here. It's on, on Brent's hat as well. There's a, uh, some vegetables there with the broccoli. So let me tell you what's in this Kapalua seasoning from Lane's Barbecue. It's got granulated honey, so there's going to be a little sweet in there. Black pepper, that's their uh, spicy and sweet. Granulated garlic, Hawaiian Aaliyah sea salt, granulated onion, and then cayenne and coriander. So this right here is going to save you from having to buy a ton of different things and putting them together yourself, not knowing what's going to flavor well together. And uh, man, I, I love just Hawaiian flavors. I love pineapple. This is perfect for that. Plenty of other flavors and seasonings and rubs. I just went out yesterday and bought another bottle of the Alabama Sorta White. Um, my wife really loves it. And we've been cooking uh, that and putting it on our chicken at home. You're going to need to get your tailgate set, whether you're at home or on the road early this week for the noon kickoff for Georgia. A couple other noon games in the conference as well. Lane's Barbecue out of Bethlehem, Georgia is the best way to do that. Coach, I've seen their sauces on your counter. I know you've been using them. For sure. I'm not much on the rubs yet because I got to get a little bit better at that. But the, the sauces are really what you got to have. And I know a couple of my friends uh, around the neighborhood, I've talked to them about it. And they are, one of them already knew about it and was using them. And the other one said they, they were going to buy it. So uh, they usually listen to me. Uh, they know if I'm saying something about it, that, that if I use it, that they'll, they'll at least try it. And I'm being honest with you, and Brent can tell you this because he's been around them probably a little more recently than I have, too. These Lane's Barbecue people, man, they just love this area. They love cooking. They have a passion for it. They're the real deal, and they love college football, too. Not all of them are Georgia people, though most are, uh, but you can check out the folks over at Lane's well, Barbecue. This is around the league. It's okay. We're yeah. all right. We're it, well, 
I, I believe I saw in one of the videos that one of their people is a Georgia Tech fan. Uh, oh, well, and, not that we're not going that far. Not again. that league. <laughs> not that league. <laughs> we can give them grief about that as well. Uh, I'm sure they'll love to, to hear that. Um, all right, let's get into around the league uh, this week. Georgia at Vanderbilt, a noon kickoff. Georgia, a 35 and a half point favorite. Brent, coach, and I talked about this on a UGA Sports Live a little bit on Tuesday. So I'm going to give you the first word for Georgia Vandy. Uh, what's interesting about this is you look at the SEC in terms of PFF and our overall grades. So you got team number one, Georgia and Texas A&M up around 93 overall team grade. Team number 13 right now, Florida, in terms of overall grade, 81, I think. And then you drop down to Vanderbilt at 14s all the way down to 61. Matt, like a bigger gap between 13 and 14 than one and 13. They're just – they're struggling. And the, big, the thing that I want to watch for in this game – is defensive backs at Georgia, much like South Carolina did. They're going to take shots. Fanny's going to take shots. The Seals is leading the league in turnover-worthy plays, and the corners and the safeties are going to have opportunities to make plays on the ball. Do they get them? Do they get some turnovers? Yeah, and, I mean, uh, for Vandy losing their leading rusher, uh, you know, with the, having this situation where he's, he had to have an operation on his toe, that's going to hurt him because he got 74 yards against Stanford last week. So, but, but I think overall for Georgia <clears> – <throat> maybe play a little more bail technique where they're not just lining up and giving them a shot at the deep ball. And, and they're doing a little bit better job of a whole technique, like Kirby said, at the line of scrimmage. But you got a guy like Speed that uh, he's given up three big plays out of four targets, and, and he also has a penalty. And he's a better player than that. But Ringo continues to get more reps than anybody. Uh, uh, they got a three-man rotation. So – but I would just say it's one of those games, you know what, what you got to do, go up there and take care of business and, uh, and make sure you get out of the game healthy. And to that extent, we're about to see if Georgia really does put itself as the standard and not the team that, that it's playing because Georgia has the talent in comparison to Vanderbilt to win this game by 70 points. So what I want to see is a noon game, 11 o'clock local time on the road, in a smaller stadium with less noise, how does Georgia kind of create that juice within itself? Because it's not going to happen from the atmosphere there. Next yeah, game. Go ahead, Coach. You got that right. I mean, unless they bring in some country western people, play the national anthem. Uh, they could be doing that as well. Uh, I did see, this was for last week, that a parking pass for Vanderbilt and Stanford was $40. A ticket was $5. <laughs> Well, that's okay that's okay but let's uh give it, give it time give it time give welcome it time. to nashville is all i have to say also at noon in the sec lsu at mississippi state lsu is a two and a half point favorite on the road and coach i know it's early but this feels like one of those games that the loser of this is going to start feeling pretty poor about itself yeah, both of them have a non-conference loss. Uh, you know, UCLA beat uh, LSU and then the Memphis last week over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, both these teams, uh, you know, have some identity on offense, throwing the ball. Neither one of them runs the ball that much. Uh, the running defense for uh, Mississippi State's been really good. The pass rush has been awesome for LSU, but against some lesser opponents. I just think in a game like this, which quarterback can take care of the ball and, and do a good job of uh, hitting the open receivers uh, is going to be the, the end result here. Uh, Max Johnson uh, has played well, and so has Rodgers. So whichever quarterback gets to help a little bit with some good catches and 
And it's like all games. How are these refs going to call it? There are they going to call it? Let them go? Or are they going to call a lot of nit nitpick and interference calls? You hit the nail on the head with how the quarterbacks play. When you look at their play this season, and specifically Max Johnson, when it's a clean pocket, he has a ninety point five passing grade, three big time throws, and zero turnover worthy plays. When he's under pressure, that passing grade drops down to thirty three point nine, and he has five turnover worthy plays. It's just it's is they if they protect him, he's going to play well. And you know Rodgers gets the ball out, average depth of targets five yards, so the ball out's really quick. The other interesting thing to point me is with the way Mississippi State's offense plays and how much they attack with the backs in the middle of the field. Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks are going to not see the ball a lot. You know, in three games now they've only seen combined twelve targets those two corners. So offenses are staying away from LSU's two really good corners. And I think Mississippi State will do the same. Good point, sir. I'd stay away from them, too. You know, uh, talking to Brad Johnson, uh, his uh, Max's dad, earlier in the year, he said he was concerned about, you know, the injuries in the offensive line. And they keep reading about the fact it's a revolving door there. So it's hard to get any cohesion there. But a very vivid stat there about the pressure. I mean, you, you look at it, the, the guy got pummeled against UCLA. Uh, and we'll see if Mississippi State, you know, Mississippi State runs that three-five-three defense where they give you different looks, the odd front, but they can bring it backers from the outside and backers from the inside, and you know really can put some pressure on you. So again, it's going to be a game that who, which quarterback gets protected and who takes care of the ball. Yeah, LSU is trying to establish a running back to be able to help that offense have some continuity. Corey Kiner looks like the guy right now. John Emery is uh, injured off the field. He, he's not a factor at all. So Kiner's in play there. I mean, they, they've got a couple things happening, but they they need some help Brent, at running back to get Max. They need to get the ball to Max's hands a little more quickly than they are because that protection's just not there. And based on the talent on the roster, I, I don't see the offensive line improving that much. No, I, I think you're right, and, and it's something we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but it's not fun being in the SEC West right now. <laughs> uh, I don't know that it's fun uh, for the trip that Missouri's having to take noon Eastern, uh, heading up to the Northeast. Missouri, a one-and-a-half-point road favorite at Boston College. Coach, do you have any Boston College stories? Yeah, you know, Boston College is really a, a unique setting there for a game. It's just uh... – uh, got a lot of tradition and everything. Uh, their quarterback got hurt early. I really think this Jeff Hadley is an outstanding coach. You, you know, you saw the job he did at Ohio State as a defensive coordinator. And since he's left, they've, they've really uh, dropped off defensively without, uh, you know, it's got to be a little bit of coaching and not just the, the lack of players. But I, I like Hadley's approach. I think it's going to be a tough game plan up there for, for Missouri uh, you know, those, uh, it's just a different atmosphere compared to, I mean, the Eastern football, uh, you know, some of these people are still at the library when the game starts and then they got to remember that there is a game and sometimes they stay in the library and sometimes they leave, but it's just, a uh, Boston college is a beautiful campus. And, uh, you know, I did a couple games there and they, they've got uh, some really good players. I actually did. Uh, a game when uh, Matt Ryan was playing, you know, um, back at, at, uh, at home and then at a bowl game at, uh, that he played in when they played, uh, I think he played Maryland in the uh, Citrus, one type of bowl. It wasn't the Citrus, but it was in that stadium. So 
Uh, it was obvious Matt Ryan could play then, but I don't think they got any Matt Ryans now. But I'll tell you this, uh, they'll be a physical football team and they'll give Missouri trouble because, like I said, Missouri's tr defense uh, like that New York Life commercial that when I was growing up, you know, they're playing for financial security. They're running for touchdowns. They're doing it. Hey, their defense is wide open right now. Somebody's got to help them out. They, they look bad. And Boston College, actually, you know, granted, all right, let's, let's remove the schedule part of this because they played Colgate, UMass, and Temple. But they, they, four of their starting offensive linemen have an 84 grade or higher. Included one of those included is Alec Lindstrom, who's senior now, brother of Chris, Chris Lindstrom, first round pick from the Falcons a, a couple years back. So they've got some talent on the offensive line. They're going to be physical. And, and like Coach said, uh, Missouri, what's, what's interesting still yet is that Missouri is the road favorite in this game. Uh, but it's going to be a good game. And they did lose their quarterback. Djurkovic is, you know, injured his hand or wrist or something like that, out, pretty much out for the year. The guy that's now playing quarterback is you know had started previously before he before the other guy transferred in so at least they're playing with an experienced quarterback and and i think this is going to be a good game good test for missouri yeah i'd be, I think, surprised, I'd be surprised if missouri wins this game I'm, I'm i'm pulling for the sec but uh they're going to get knocked around a little bit if missouri wins it it means connor basilak was lights out he's shown flashes of that this year and obviously he's got the talent but it, it seems like there's just some some consistency and continuity things with missouri's offense it's not quite clicking like it was at the middle and latter part of, of last season but like you said coach that defense is the problem yeah well, i like to just make one comment too about uh uh last night uh, you know i coached at missouri and my head coach there was then was warren powers who has some issues with his health right now, but unfortunately his wife passed away last night, Linda Powers, a great uh, coach's wife, a, a big Mizzou fan. And I know all the Missouri Tigers are, are mourning her loss. She was just a real special lady and uh, thoughts and prayers out to all the Powers family. Uh, that's Second from that. all of us at UGA Sports. We'll echo that as well, uh, sending our love to, to all of you. At 3.30 in uh, the SEC, this is the game of the week in the conference, uh, the CBS game. Number seven, Texas A&M at number 16, Arkansas. The Aggies, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I say at, this game is being played at uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington. So it is a bit of a neutral site, but uh, that, that's going to be a pretty split crowd. That's going to be a raucous environment, Coach. Yeah, you know, Jerry Jones uh, is an Arkansas guy, and he's playing in his place, so – He'll have those boxes set up where the where the good boxes are for the Arkansas people, and the uh, there's not any bad boxes in that. But <laughs> certainly, this game here uh, is a lot of intrigue to me. Uh, first of all, uh, it's showtime for both these teams. Uh, certainly, no schedule at this point for Texas A&M played nobody right now. You saw they struggle with Colorado, and Colorado only got 90 yards last week against. Minnesota, so uh, and then they played, uh, you, you know, a very two other weak teams. So I think that, uh, is their defense as good as advertised? I don't know. Offensively, they got Calzada playing quarterback now. He's got a big arm and he can throw the ball extremely well, but he has stretches where he just overthrows people and misses them. So. I would function more around these two backs, get the ball to them and not so much uh, making this quarterback do everything. And then, of course, Arkansas's defense, bend and don't break, but also has gotten a little bit more aggressive this year. And their offense, 
really scares me knowing that we're going to be playing them because they got the threat of the of all these RPOs. They stretch the field. They got that browse offense that they ran at Baylor, and they really do a good job. Uh, uh, one of the most improved teams in the conference at this point with that win over Texas. So uh, I think they can go, uh, they can sure go and play with the A&M and it's going to be interesting to see if, if A&M's defense is good as we think it is, then they will shut them down pretty good. But if it's not, then it's going to be a tough deal for, cause I don't see where A&M gets a lot of points. Coach, everything you said to me is spot on because if you're a Georgia fan, which most obviously the people that listen to this are, you should watch this game with massive intrigue because of what Arkansas does offensively. They have five guys right now with at least 100 yards rushing, the second, and the second most being their quarterback. So, and, you know, Sam Pittman style, and what's, what's Sam Pittman known for? Offensive line. They have five offensive linemen right now with a 70 grade or higher. So they are running the football and running the football down people's throats with the way that you're, they're using the quarterback run game. And coach, you talked about Calzada from, uh, from A&M, 50% completion in his career, right at 50% completion. Accuracy is an issue with him. The big thing for me for A&M with the backs as well, the backs are getting their touches and getting their yards. I think they have like 450 combined yards with Spiller and A-Chain. But Anaya Smith in the slot, game one with Haynes King, he had eight catches, for 10 on 10 targets for 100 yards and two touchdowns since then he only has five catches for 35 yards they get that guy back involved in our offense I think Texas A&M can do some things but this game to me I, I'm going to watch every snap of this, as much as I can of this game in Arkansas if you don't get this game it's at Georgia at Ole Miss at LSU at Alabama <laughs> it becomes just the gauntlet that is the SEC Hey, Sam Pittman, I need to get on that. If I'm, I'm getting on that AD's ass, too. I saw that schedule for next year. They're playing Cincinnati and BYU in non-conference. Come on, man. Hey, uh, but plus who they got to play. Yeah, I, I give them a break a little bit. This guy's coaching them up. But Cincinnati and BYU, I mean, I, I don't see anybody else playing those teams. We should also give voice to Arkansas trying to do something that you used to try to do at Oklahoma, Coach, become the Texas State champs by beating A&M and Texas in the same year. Well, that would be pretty good. You can do that, and that would really help them in their recruiting out down there. You know, you already got one up on Texas, and then all of a sudden you get A&M. And uh, they're certainly good. I mean, to me, second year, you can talk about Ole Miss all you want to, but a combined team, offense and defense. I think they're ahead of Ole Miss, uh, the two of them together. Now, uh, we'll see how they do next, you know, uh, when they play head-to-head. -head. But uh, both of these coaches doing a fantastic job with their teams in their second year. Well, that and then Ole Miss was in much better shape than Arkansas was when the new coach got there because when Pittman got to Arkansas, it could not get much worse in terms of SEC standards, you know, yeah. unless that's what Vanderbilt was. Yeah, that was uh, – I've never understood. That's a great – one of the greatest moves Jimmy Sexton ever got, did was uh, putting a bamboozle on that AD to hire Chad Morris. I mean, good gracious, that they set him back a long way. But, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a decent offensive coach, but uh, he just didn't have the record at SMU to justify giving him that job. And, and now he's uh, coaching at Allen, Texas, and uh, we'll see how they do. But, uh, you know, another thing that uh, is impressive to me uh, around the league is just uh, the way the whole nation keeps talking about 
what's wrong with Alabama? What's wrong with Alabama? Because they want something to be wrong with them. They're tired of seeing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll see this week they're playing Southern Miss. They're not going to get tested at all. Southern Miss is another team that's lower than well manure. But uh, I, I think a couple of things about, about Alabama. I guess is that the next game we're talking about or what? No, we've got it. Yeah, I mean, we can go to Alabama if you want to stick on it. No, I don't know why I did segue to that. Go ahead and do something else. <laughs> yeah, let me let me be the host, Coach. You be a coach and analyst, and let me host. All right, right? I will, you're the host, man. You're the host, but I was just wanted to get off on the fact that <laughs> that uh, you know certainly those two teams really are impressive for second year of a, of a coach being there. I, I'm going to use a Jim Donanism here. Know thyself. Yeah, that's true. Socrates. <laughs> and Socrates about the same age. <laughs> Auburn comes back home at four o'clock uh, after the heartbreak against Penn State. Auburn and Georgia State, the Tigers, a 27 point favorite. So you had the right state, different team, coach. Auburn and Georgia State. Yeah, I think Georgia State really big upset last week. You know, everybody was going on that, that Will Healy train of the. Of, of UNC Charlotte, uh, you know, really turning it around and all after they beat Duke. But uh, uh, seriously, Georgia State's got some firepower. I mean, they've always been able to move the ball, but uh, just a big win over Charlotte. But uh, again, Auburn uh, showed a lot of things that looked good against Penn State. I'm not on the Penn State bandwagon. I think uh, I saw Greg McElroy said they'd probably be fourth in the West and third in the East. I don't think they're a nationally challenging team, and I don't think Auburn is either. I mean, they got issues all across the board. Uh, but, you know, they'll get the W against Georgia State. They'll get that W, and then they'll go play eight straight SEC games. So it's basically 2020 all over again for, Ar for Auburn after this week. Brent, what was the worst call? Auburn's fade route at the end of the game to try to, to get back, you know, in it at the goal line or Florida's two-point conversion attempt at the end of its game? Uh, I'm going to go with both. <laughs> I don't know. I'm because making you pick one. There's both it, so bad. If I have to pick one, I'm going with Florida, the Florida call, just because Emory Jones is such a – such a running threat to not get him on the perimeter in some way and give him a run or pass type option. Uh, that one was there. Auburn. I mean, it's, that one was just, it's the fade is always should be faded. Uh, it, I can't ever explain fade routes, especially on fourth down fade route is a second down play at best uh, for me. And it's just, it was both of them were perplexing. Now, granted, I think Harson and Boba said that, Hey, we'd worked on that all along. And that was, that was what we'd gone with. And, well, if you'd worked on it all along, maybe you should throw the ball a little better and execute it a little better. The fade route was very popular, especially about 10 years ago. What changed that, that it's coaches view it as less of an option? Uh, I think just the analytics of it and really looking into the success rate with it. It became such a, you know, less way less than the flip of a coin type play that unless you had a Randy Moss uh, or, you know, or someone of that ill, it just, it became that it's, the success rate just dove and somebody actually looked at it and said, Hey, this is what the data says. And coach was like, okay, we're going to stay away from that. Then you just wanted to give a shout out to Marshall. That's why you said Randy Moss. I know. I get it. That's fine. Hey, in West Virginia too. Yeah. yeah. He's a West Virginia boy. 
in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, seven o'clock Saturday, we have the Tennessee Volunteers at the 11th ranked Florida Gators. Obviously, Florida tried to pull off the upset of the season last week, came up that two point shy because of that two point conversion failed attempt but really more because of the missed extra point that caused them to have to go for two. The Gators, 19-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Tennessee, Coach. You know, this Tennessee run defense is certainly something everybody's talking about, but they're going to get challenged regardless if it's Emory Jones or Richardson at quarterback because it's just a good scheme. I mean, it worked for Mississippi State when uh, Coach Mullen was there with, uh, with Dak Prescott, with Fitzgerald, with all these guys. You know, he just uh, is very good at uh, running the basic quarterback runs. You can't out of the spread and just enough option there. I mean, it's just incredulous to me that, that Alabama had such a weak plan on the option. Every time they ran it, they either screwed up who had the quarterback or who had the pitch. I don't know why they didn't do it more. But, uh, you know, a speed option is just so relevant now in man coverage that if the linebacker gets sealed, that end's got to play the right guy. If he doesn't, then you're on the you're on the second level right off the bat, even without blocking anybody. So, uh, I think Tennessee is going to be challenged here by this team. Uh, I don't know that, that that Florida can throw the ball effectively enough to really uh, be a, a national contender, but they certainly with their running game and then defensively. I give uh, give them a lot of credit. They lined up in a lot of different looks and slanted and and did a lot of pressures that really confused that uh, Alabama team. And uh, my note to Alabama would be run some tempo and don't run the clock down so long where all the defensive guys can get adjusted. I mean, I thought I was watching a pro game. The clock would go down to one or two on every snap. And, you know, uh, Grantham was over there changing the defenses and getting everything set you got to give tempo against him. I mean, you can't let him just line up and, and get thinking about what the next call is going to be. So maybe a little more uh, uh, tempo that they're going to see from this Tennessee team will hurt them because they can run it really quick, don't they, Brent? They do. And, they, and, they, and hey, Hendon Hooker played well for Tennessee last week. And this is, this is an intriguing game just because of what happened last week for Florida. Because you played so well and you got the sort of moral victory in Alabama – how are you flat this week? Are, are you, you know, kind of not as crisp as what you were and dialed in as what you were a week ago against Alabama? I will say you talked about the passing game, Coach. If there's a game where you want to – all right, can Emory Jones be there, be that guy as a passer? This is the game to watch and see if it happens. Because Tennessee is one of the – in terms of pressuring the quarterback, one of the lowest in the league. Only 28 total quarterback pressures through three games, which is very low. No player, no single player with five, over five quarterback pressures. So if there is a game where you, hey, Emory, can you do this as a thrower and really make us a truly dynamic offense? Uh, this is the game to watch and see. Good points there. And that's one thing around the campus. All Everybody's going around. Uh, these kids have got their shoulders are hurt where everybody's patting them on the back all week. You got to be careful there because uh, – uh, you know, Tennessee's got a monkey on their back. I mean, you look at their record against uh, Alabama, Georgia, and tennis and, uh, and uh, Florida is just woeful over the last 12 or 13 years. They've only they got two wins against Georgia, one win against Florida, and no wins against Alabama. I mean, they won three times against those teams, and that's just hard to believe. So they got to get uh, 
I mean, I think they got a shot if, uh, you know, they get some big plays. But, uh, boy, that Florida front was impressive to me, particularly playing without their starting middle linebacker who got hurt uh, the week before. So uh, this Florida defense just put the scuttlebutt on uh, on Alabama three straight uh, threes and out. And uh, they, they just really, after the first quarter, they, they really did a great job. But the problem is, was the first quarter, they looked like they hadn't even practiced the first quarter. They couldn't make a play. We were talking about it, Brent and Dane and I. I mean, they just it looked like it was going to be, you know, really bad. But uh, it, it, then Alabama started doing some favors the way they were calling plays, and they made some good adjustments. And I think one reason that Florida front's looking so good is that secondary, it can hold its own in, in man coverage. They don't need a whole lot of help on the back end, and that's overall talent. And really that's been the case at Florida for – going on 10 or 15 years now. They always have super talented defensive backs. Them and LSU, I don't know how it happens, but they always tend to find some defensive backs there. Two more games around the league. Uh, Kentucky at South Carolina. The Wildcats, a five-point road favorite, Brent. Uh, that's that's a big number for a road team in the SEC. And, but also when you think about just the comparison of a week ago, Georgia was a – 30 point 32 point favorite ish or something like that last week and then now Kentucky only being a five point favorite Georgia uh, the battery lines feel a little better about South Carolina than maybe uh, the rest of the world does but I think the, the number for me in, in watching Kentucky a week ago when you look at Kentucky's offensive production 45 points in week one 35 in week two 28 last week against Chattanooga can they you know hey is is are people figuring you out a little bit already uh, but two, can you get back to running the ball? Like I said earlier, Chris Rodriguez, it's the lowest, his lowest uh, rushing output in his career when he's had at least 10 carries. That guy's your horse. Get it back to him. Get back to what you do and, and go ahead and get yourself a road victory here. Yeah, the recipe for Shane Beamer's team is they've got to get turnovers and uh, get some help with their defense where they're just not out there all the time. Uh, having Doty in there is going to help them with the, with the threat of the run and the you know, he uh, got his, you know, got knocked around a lot by this Georgia defense. But uh, I think certainly uh, they got some weapons there with Van and they got the backs. But I don't know, their old line just really is, uh, you know, their old line just has a hard time figuring out who to block. Sometimes when you got that guy, man, on the edge and you don't even set and the guy runs around you, I don't know what was happening. But I just feel like Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss some of these teams, uh, uh, like Ole Miss, Kentucky, uh, that are on the run trying to get up there, you got to go take care of business on the road against a team like this because South Carolina is doesn't have near the one through 50 players that Kentucky does. So uh, forget about that game last week against Chattanooga and understand that uh, really you're playing a team that's probably not a whole lot better talent-wise, and that's no – no bite on on South Carolina, but I think Kentucky play their game. They can name the score. I agree with you, and it's probably the same case in Tuscaloosa for our final game of the week, Southern Miss at Alabama. Brent, who's Southern Miss is running back? Uh, that's I, I have no earthly idea. Oh, actually, I take that back. I do know it's Frank Gore's son. 
Frank Gore Jr., running back for yes. uh, Southern Miss. Shout out to my father-in-law. He went to Southern Miss, and a lot of his best friends are still uh, loyal Southern Miss fans, and I'm sure we'll be at this game. I think my in-laws are going to this game at Bryant-Denny, too. Alabama's a 45-point favorite. Brent, I don't know that any of that part matters. Alabama's trying to get back on track offensively. I just want to know from Coach, how much is, as Coach called him, the nictator? I like that. How much is the nictator? How red is his face this week? Knowing that he won a game and can just light into kids after a W, that probably gives him the greatest joy as a coach. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be lighting into the players, but he's going to be lighting into that defensive staff, I can tell you that, uh, among which he's the guy that helps coach the secondary. So they got to get their tackling down. But, you know, one of the things about Southern Miss and always we talk about things that always when you hear Southern Miss, I think about Peach Cobbler. Because every time we played, uh, I did a game at Southern Miss at halftime. You know, coach, you, you know, you, you take a break and they go to the studio. And, you know, most places they don't have anything but just some cookies. They always had peach cobbler up there, homemade peach cobbler. And I couldn't wait for the half to be over to get up there. It was uh, unbelievable. But I know the fans aren't interested in that. But I'm, I'm interested in that. I, I want all of your dessert commentary. I can tell you this. Southern Miss is going to need a lot of peach cobbler this week because uh, you're going into a, a PO team in Alabama and, and your team is struggling. I mean, they don't ha they don't have a lot of firepower. Uh, this could be really ugly, but you know it's going to be a typical game and kind of like the Mercer game. But uh, I think uh, Alabama is going to try to push the ball down the field a little bit to show they can throw it down the field, but. Get their running game going. When's the last time they had less than 100 yards rushing? I, I can't remember that. But they still got a very good team, but they're they're vulnerable. I mean, they're not going to be able to make up all these deficiencies overnight. But they got to get ready for this whole Miss team that really spreads you out next week. And I'm sure they've been practicing on some of that stuff this week. So uh, it's going to be roll tide for sure. But I don't know that the West is roll tide all the way like I thought it's going to be. Well, and so, Brent, that's, that's kind of the point in this game, right? Ole Miss doesn't play this week, gets to prepare for Alabama. Alabama gets to play a much lighter opponent. Obviously, injuries can still happen. You hope they don't. But it's a lighter week for Bama, too. This is, this is two big forces getting ready to battle next week. Yeah, and you think about a game that last year was just up and down, high scoring, and Bama just outscored them. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that right now. It's going to be a completely different game, and it's – I, I'm that's a game that I'm intrigued to see next week and we'll get there when we get there but yeah we got that, that game and then in a couple of weeks we got A&M hosting Alabama so at Western Division it's going to be and then you know next week we'll be talking about Georgia and Arkansas whatever what, if Arkansas beats A&M then they're, they're going to catapult into the top 15 maybe top 10, top 10. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that would be a good matchup I know we're going to play that game at 12 o'clock too. So we got two straight weeks with the uh, watch along show here. It's going to be early and be instead of uh, dinner, we're going to be eating breakfast. But uh, I can tell you this, uh, the SEC is up for grabs in a lot of different ways and not so much because we're trying to anoint these teams. I just think we haven't seen these, some of these teams that are really getting a lot of uh, love haven't played anybody you know let's see what happens when you when you go out there and get tested a little bit uh, I, that's going to be the way frankly coach i think that's the way it is in college football uh, like if you look at the big 10 
Ohio State doesn't have that under under lock. I, the Pac-12, I guess, maybe Oregon's good there. Um, but, you know, I, they could stumble along the way. And we've definitely seen Oklahoma not have a full grasp on what it's doing. I can week tell you week. Oklahoma now is not there. I'm, I mean, it's just worrying me. The team, of course, I, I love Georgia, but Oklahoma is my next one. Um, they got to make a move there uh, some way, offensive line, get their line going better. And I, I think they got a quarterback on the bench that's better than the one that's playing for what they need. They need a mobile quarterback. Caleb Williams gives you that. I, I can see him playing some against the West Virginia Mountaineers, who I think I know my boys pulling for them. I think that's a good spread for them. I think they can cover that 16 and a half, don't you? I do. I, I worry about West Virginia's offense, but I think they can they can hang with them a little bit defensively. Well, yeah, that'll, anybody, that'll anybody, be fun to break that down with you guys. Anybody <laughs> can hang with Oklahoma's offense right now. I mean, they just scored 23 points against Nebraska. The least amount of points they've scored under Lincoln Riley. Uh, I mean, they, they got a lookout passing game. I mean, snap it to Rattlers, you know, those, those back, backs and linemen say, look out. I mean, that's the way they protect. I mean, they got to get something going here. And I think, like Dane's point, is a, is a very valid one in that college football right now looks very like the parity that there's a you know coin flip chance for a lot of teams that it wasn't just, hey, it's one of these five teams. Now, and the five being Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. But those teams are going to get, I think, better. And they're going to, and they have for the most part, outside of Clemson, by the way, Clemson, their offensive line might completely doom them. Uh, but talent wise, those, those teams are still head and shoulders above everybody. But because of things like the transfer portal and, and early entries to the draft and all the changes that are happening, you're not seeing the consistent play. Uh, that you typically see from these teams right now. And I think it might be something where you take, you get games, you might lose a game while you're just getting better and improving and be really good at the end of the year, but still have a loss or two on your record. Yeah. And what's the one constant of, uh, among all four or five of those teams that everybody's talking about offensive line, Oklahoma's offensive line, what can you do? Clemson really pathetic the way they protect the quarterback. Georgia's got some issues, you know, we talk about it and you guys do it on film, don't lie. Just some complete miscarriage of just missing blocks and then missing assignments. And they're going to, you know, it's going to catch up with you in, in a tight game, uh, but they're, they're going to get better. I mean, Ohio state couldn't, couldn't really move the ball against Tulsa like they need to. And, and you know, uh, and certainly Alabama with less than a hundred yards rushing with their old line. So, uh, that's the one constant there. There's not a dominating offensive line among any of those teams. That's a great point. And, and we'll see who can get it together because it's the middle of the season at this point, and there's not a whole lot of time if you have deficiencies. So this is where some really good coaching take place, but really where some players have to emerge and take responsibility. And that's what we're all excited to see. This has been Around the League from UGASports.com. We are brought to you by our friends at Lane's Barbecue in Bethlehem, Georgia, and Connor Grading and Landscaping in Monroe, Georgia. Support the people that support us. Get you some Lane's Barbecue seasoning and rubs for your tailgate. If you need some work done in your yard at home, get Connor Grading and Landscaping to do it for you. Check out their social media pages, see what they're all about, and then tell them that you heard about them from around the league at UGASports.com. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I am Dane Young. We will chat with you next week.